the Upshot, Old World Disc Golf's podcast about the latest in the disc golf world. It is Thursday, December 8th. I'm Charlie Eisenhood. He is Josh Mansfield, and we are rocking and rolling on a great episode for you today. We're going to have Paige Shu joining us in a little bit to talk about her decision to leave Dynamic Discs and what that means for her disc golf future. And uh, Josh, we've also got a little bit of uh, news from the DD front as well. Elsewhere, Macy Vela Diaz signing a one-year extension and getting promoted to the uh, Supreme Team, the top-level touring team for DD. Interesting move from DD. Macy Vela Diaz, very promising player. And uh, what do you what do you make of this? I, I liked. I mean, Macy Vela Diaz was kind of one of the big ones to me at the end of last season when. Or, you know, the two seasons ago, end of the uh, 2021 season, when she announced and kind of talked about the fact that she wasn't going to go to college, she was going to pursue disc golf full time and, and DD kind of extended her. I think this is a, a smart move from DD. It, it's it's about the depth, right? It's about having players who are your top players, uh, you know, Valerie Mondahano and, and players who can kind of be behind them backfill so that if something were to happen, if Valerie were to leave, if Valerie were to get injured, you just have somebody who's ready to slide back up in behind her and be a flagship player on tour and, and get the kind of attention and focus from whoever your top performing player is at that time. You know, we saw DD must be so grateful that they kept people like Macy Valadez and Holland Hanley and Valerie Mondahano after the Kona signing, because when you have the person you expect to be your top player underperform it can be much more difficult for a manufacturer if they don't have somebody who's on coverage getting their discs seen. And and I don't know exactly what that impact is, but if you're considering the strength of a touring team, having people like Macy Valadez who show lots of promise and giving them time as second or third chair on a team, I think is just an excellent move. It is not inconceivable to me that Macy Valadez become the strongest player on DD. It's not, it's not impossible. No, I don't think so either. Um, Lots of lo- we talked a lot of manufacturing stuff on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. A lot of DMs coming in, emails coming in, some interesting rumors out there. Some of which involve dynamic discs. Yep, and players potentially leaving who might be under contract. We thought so. Interesting stuff, and I think we got some we got some spicy moves to come yet this year. It's not going to be last season. No. Just like I think we can all just accept that. But we, we know that these companies down in Texas are making moves. Lone Star's got more to come. Mint's got more to come. And uh, who knows what's going to happen out with the uh, the sweepstakes in Europe. There's some great players up for, for contract. We talked about Evelina and Henna. What's going on there? Starting to hear some rumors about wh- whether they're going to stick around Innova or maybe some other manufacturers trying to make a move. Lots to come. We're going to follow it all on the show over the next few weeks. But coming up right now, we're going to be talking with Paige Shu, 2018 world champ. She's leaving DD. She announced on Instagram this week. And uh, that was a big surprise. I mean, she's been with the company for more than a decade. Her parents work at Dynamic Discs. And she gone. So what's going on? What does that mean? What does that mean for how much we're going to see her on tour next year? We're going to find out next from Paige herself. Don't go anywhere. It's The Upshot.
The Upshot is presented by Pound Disc Golf, makers of the best bags in the sport. Did you know the Pound makes more than disc golf backpacks? That's right. They've got beverage carriers. I've got one. They're awesome. They've got travel bags like the Fly Pack. You can even get a toolbox to have a practice bag in the trunk of your car, a fanny pack, packing cubes, and a whole lot more. Go to pounddiscgolf.com and trick yourself out with pound bags for every aspect of your bag needs. Joining us now on the Upshot is 2018 world champion Paige Shu. Paige, long time no talk. Great to see you. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. Um, it's been a busy holiday season, but um, I'm looking forward to 2023. Well, you uh, you came out with kind of a bombshell announcement this past week uh, with uh, the mm-hmm. announcement that you're not going to be playing for Dynamic Discs next year. So can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up making that decision? Uh, obviously, it opens up a lot of questions about what you're going to be doing next year, but uh, we'll get to yeah. that. So just wh- why are you leaving DD? <laughs> um, there's a, a, a few, I guess, things. But really, the main thing was with DD making or having their disc produced in Sweden, there was just a lot of lag time on like getting discs made, getting them shipped to the U.S., getting them online for sale, and I just think that because of that lag, that lag, and the you know the disc not being produced quite as fast as I would like, I think I missed out on a few opportunities. So you know, number one, I also just wanted a fresh start. I've been with DD for so long, and I was ready to get back out there, and I think I just needed some kind of change. But on top of that. You know, the disc being produced out of the U.S., I just feel like that made a lot of things harder. Um, And so that kind of is what started the idea. And kind of from there, it grew that maybe I could find some better opportunities elsewhere. And that's how I ended up here. So where where is here? Do you have a have you signed on the dotted line with another manufacturer? (laughs) Actually, not yet. Okay, Uh, but we're, we're very close. So I'm not too worried about that. But yes, I got a I got I got a manufacturer in mind and I'm starting to practice with their discs and I'm loving it so far. So Do, I'm looking forward to what the season will bring. Can we know what the first letter of said manufacturer's name is? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to keep it a secret. All right, all right. <laughs> uh when you went to said manufacturer and as you're in discussion, what were some of the important points of contract negotiation that you were looking for and hoping to have for the twenty twenty three season? Yeah, um, to be honest, I didn't really know what to expect. I haven't been in the game for a couple years. And the last contract I signed was for was a 2019-2020 deal. And y'all know disc golf wasn't as big and the field wasn't, the FPO field wasn't as strong. So I knew that there was more money in it, but I wasn't exactly sure how much we were talking, you know, what we were talking about. So that was the first step kind of saying, hey, you know, what do contracts look like nowadays? Um And I kind of got the ball rolling on that. But really what was important to me was being able to travel with my family. Um, Y'all know my husband plays as well. And we both are still wanting to get back out and compete. We also want our daughter along with us. So we were really wanting some kind of travel vehicle where all three of us could head out on the road. And I play some tournaments. Grady plays some. Have our family fly out to some. And just make sure that we're all still able to be together. But both Grady and I are still chasing our dreams of, you know, being the best disc golfer. So those were really the two, just what does the money look like? You know, can our family afford to live off that? And then having the, 
I guess, car, you know, vehicle that could help us get around. I'm not going to lie. Like when you had a baby and stopped playing as much, I kind of thought that might be it that like you might be done as like a kind of like a top level disc golfer and that, you know, you'd play sometimes, but that would kind of be more of a side project as opposed to a, a focus. But it sounds mm-hmm. like that's wrong. Are, are you planning to go on a more or less a full tour next year? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I probably won't be hitting every single elite series just because both Grady and I are trying to get back into it. And we both see a long term career in disc golf. So it can't just be about one of us or the other, you know, marriage involves some sacrifice. So um, other than that, though, we're planning on playing at least eight, eight to 10 elite series, all the majors, hopefully that are stateside, and a bunch of local eight tiers that we can fit in as well. So yeah, we're trying to jump back in full swing. I think that female athletes, especially female mothers or uh, mothers who are athletes has been a a focus ever since really in my mind, Serena Williams, I think is one of the most high profile Mm -hmm. athletes who kind of had a baby and continue to compete at the the highest level. How do you think, I mean, obviously you talked a little bit about travel, but I guess what are your thoughts on kind of the public narratives around mothers who are athletes as well? And, And then how do you think that applies more specifically to disc golf? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't really keep up with a lot of that stuff. I know that, you know, people were just surprised that Serena came back and kept killing it. Um, you know, I think it's typical for the, the mom to take that caretaker role and be in charge and uh, of that and, you know, let the father or the man, you know, be the financial leader and all that. You know, I think that's normal and that's typical and I'm not like against that. Um, but I think if you do have the opportunities to where you can still be you know, a good mother and around your child, and you can still compete and chase your dreams. I mean, why not? And, um, you know, if if this contract didn't work out, and this wasn't an opportunity, and I couldn't really play disc golf again, I wouldn't be sad. But I'm just really excited that there is that kind of opportunity for me. And like in disc golf, I feel like that's, that's unique. Like, I don't think Serena Williams is going to be driving to these tournaments in, in an RV and I think they're you know all across the, the world not all the states but I think disc golf is unique in that you can still do it you can just bring them along with you I mean there's people that don't have children who tour in an RV so it's just I guess it's normal and it just makes it that much easier so logistically are you planning to play the same tournaments or will you sort of alternate so that one person can take care of the baby uh, or is it, does it work because of the tea time staggered? Like you'll be able to figure it out. Right. <laughs> We're still trying to figure all those details sure. out, but to, what, what we have in mind is, um, I'll definitely alternating a few, but, uh, Grady's parents have volunteered to fly out for a tournament or two. My, my parents, my sister, we have a, a pretty big support system to where we feel like if, if we both really want to play the event, we both need it for pro tour points or as a special place in our heart or, you know, we can kind of make it work that we'll both be able to play. Um, the cool thing is, is that you're right. The, the tea times might play a role to where we wouldn't even need somebody, or maybe we just need someone for five, 10 minutes. And at that point, I'm hoping that maybe the, the tour scene and other players that are traveling as well might be willing to help out, but I don't want to count on that. So we're going to plan ahead as much as we can. That's awesome. So w- was this always the plan or did the explosion of disc golf in the last couple of years influence the decision to want to come back and start competing again uh, at the high level? 
it wasn't always the plan, but it wasn't not always the plan. When we had Savannah, we just didn't really know what we were going to do. So um, we were just kind of figuring it out. Um, I went back to school and got my degree. I knew I wanted to get that done at some point in my life. So that was, I really wanted to check off the list. But as soon as I finished my degree, um, in my head, I was like, man, where, where can I make the most money right now? You know, we're a family. We're still starting out. We don't have tons of money. Like what, what's going to be best? And I looked into disc golf and what the contracts were like. And it seemed like an entry-level job that I could get with my degree would pay decent, but disc golf with guaranteed money plus payout. I mean, tournament payout's crazy now. Um, it just seemed like I had more of a possibility to succeed in that way. So once we kind of figured that out, and I always knew I did, wanted to come back and play. I just didn't know when or what time. Because, you know, even one of the best FPO players, Katrina, she's 30. I got to say past 35. I hope I hope I'm right there. But, you know, I still have – I'm only 26, so I still have plenty of years. So I knew at some point I wanted to get back. I wasn't sure how soon that was going to be, but when everything kind of aligned and once my daughter, she'll be two in January, I feel like once you're two, you can be a little more mobile. We can do a few more things. So I think just everything aligned to where it's set up for us to kind of get back into it this next year. When you stepped away from disc golf, you were, Charlie and I have talked, we feel like you were a top five player probably on tour at that point in, in your career, mm -hmm. you had just come off of uh, a very recent world championship. What are your expectations for your level of play and where you think you can end up on tour next season, coming back in to being on tour full time? Do you feel like you're at the same skill level? Do you feel like you're going to be able to get back to it quickly? Where, where do you feel in just in your competitive side? <laughs> Uh, that's a tough question. In my heart, I'm like, yes, I can be top five again. I won a world. Like, I feel so good. I can do this. Um, but I want to make sure I'm, I'm slow and not, not getting too, you know, too excited. Get my, get my hopes up too high. Um, so, I mean, I think I, I don't think it'll be long to transition back into like being in tip top shape. I don't think I'm as good as I am now. But within the next couple months before the season starts, you know, the training it's already started. So I feel like I just got to keep doing that. Um, and I'm really enjoying my new discs and the flights are really unique and I feel like I'm throwing a little farther. So that I'm looking forward to. Um, but really, I don't really have too many expectations. I'd love to cash at every event. That would be nice. Um, and I would like to make the pro tour final. However, you know, I, I'm not playing every elite series, so that might be out of reach, but I mean, I think I can consistently get in the top 10 once I get back into the swing, into the swing of things. And I don't imagine that would take too long. Um, I've been playing disc golf for 16 years competitively. So I feel like at some point time is on my side and it's just, I just get back into it because I've been doing it for so dang long. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you said you signed your last contract in 2019. How much bigger is this contract that you're about to sign relative to that one? Um, it's it's a lot bigger. Um, you know, it was so, it's so small back then. I feel like, and um, there a lot of my contract with DD kind of required me to do lots more things besides just play. You know, like I ran events and mm -hmm. I did clinics and stuff. But this one, you know, it's a lot of just like just play and and this is also like a tester year. I'm not signing a multi-year deal because we don't know what the future is going to hold and what, what might happen. You know, we might hit the road and Savannah hates it and doesn't thrive, you know? So me and our manufacturer have, have a good understanding of that. So that's nice. So it's not like huge, huge or anything, but it's very, 
it's nice and it, it really is going to help us financially and be able to really just commit to playing and practicing. And it's definitely a lot bigger than my 2019 contract. Man, I cannot, I cannot get the, do you know when your announcement is going to come? Because I'm just doing the speculation game in my head right now, <laughs> trying to pick up on clues like discs have unique flights and go further. It's a contract focused on playing. Like I, I'm not going to stop thinking about it. So when, do you, when is the announcement coming? Do you expect? Uh, I, I don't know for sure, to be honest. Okay. I would imagine the first few weeks in January. All right. So hopefully within the month. Uh, your family obviously has a lot of connections to dynamic discs working with DD for years at this point. Uh, was did that make it a difficult decision to leave and and how have how has your family kind of reacted to the fact that you're going to be switching uh, manufacturers yeah to be honest it's it's literally never been a problem it's never crossed my mind that oh no i can't leave dd because my you know my parents work here that that was no problem at all i know i'm my own person i got to do what's best for me especially now that i have a child i mean i got bigger things to think about but um yeah that wasn't a problem and my parents were super supportive my dad um, you know, as the president, and he was like, as a, as the DD president, I'm sad to see you go. But as your dad, like, I'm so excited for the opportunities that you have ahead of you. We're behind you 100%. We love you. And we know you're going to kick butt out there. And so that, that's kind of how that went. So it was really easy. It, it makes things so much better when you have family support. You mentioned when we, you know, circling back to kind of one of the initial questions about why you went wanted to get a different contract you had mentioned a little bit that it was just wanting a fresh start did you give dd a chance in like initial negotiations to start off seeing what they would offer or did you kind of start testing waters elsewhere and then came back and said hey guys i think i am going to move on i appreciate the time um it was the second one i didn't i didn't really give him a chance to to fight for me and that was kind of a hard decision. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I was with, with them for 13 years, so it's like, should I have done that? But at the same time, like, you know, there were things that were frustrating for me. And, like, it, if things would have changed, it's like, dang, why didn't they change in the past? Mm -hmm. You know, like, it just felt like it would be wrong to stay either way. But And the majority was literally just me wanting change. Sure. You know, it, and I kind of feel bad that I didn't give them a chance, but... I knew that I needed something, something new. And, and yeah, and, that's kind of how that went. And if I could follow up, you said, you know, you mentioned some, some frustrations, uh, the discs arrival time, the kind of secondary of having to run events, et cetera. Are there anything else that you were frustrated with your current contract that prompted you to look elsewhere? Um, I mean, a little, a few small things, but nothing worth mentioning. Okay. And, and I do think that, you know, I could have been a better player as well so i don't think i was perfect in anything i just want to make that clear i just think just time for something new yeah mm -hmm. the the scene has changed a lot yeah. in fpo since you stopped competing regularly uh we have seen so many new players joining whether that's just like the european contingent who continues to get stronger and and deeper uh mm -hmm. or all of these new talented young players coming up right now and uh i mean it's you know the field sizes have probably about doubled since 2019 oh yeah uh, does that is that exciting to you does it make you nervous that like it's going to be harder to to succeed <laughs> how do you look at the the changes we've seen in fpo i would say both man it's so exciting and to see how high everyone is rated now 
I'm like, dang, it took me so long to get rated like 950. And I worked so hard for that. And then now everybody's 950. But I think with, with how deep the field size is, I think you just get more, um, it might be easier to shoot higher. Not to say that their play isn't good or anything, but I think that kind of helps. But anyways, I'm excited because that's phenomenal that there's that kind of growth and women are taking it serious and more people to play with. I was joking with Grady how like back in 20, 2018, 2019, you know, like you said, I kind of was a top player and the top players didn't really move much. So it was always me playing with literally the same people, you know, with like feature cards too and all that. It was just the same few people. But now, man, there's so many new women that I, re- I haven't even met that I've been watching for the last two years on coverage and you know, I've seen them at some tournaments walking by, but I've never really gotten to meet them or spend time with them. So that's, I'm really looking forward to, but yeah, I'm nervous. I mean, everybody wants to play well. Um, everyone's skill set seems to be getting stronger and stronger and everyone I think has that fire. So um, it's going to be hard, but I think that's great for all of us because it's pushing all of us to be better and seeing what our uh, capabilities are. You know, I think I played well back in 2018, 2019, um, but I, I definitely think I can do better. And I think having so many more women pushing me will help me a lot. Be honest. You're coming back because Worlds is back in Vermont, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to that, though. That's that's so awesome. And, um, you know, Smugs has a special place in my heart. Everybody says that every time they post on social media. Smugs is my favorite. I'm like, yeah, it's your favorite, but y'all didn't win Worlds. <laughs> you know, it's, y'all don't have a place in your heart like me, but I'm just kidding. But, no, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I think, you know, what it took to win those worlds the worlds that year in 2018 when it was at Smugs was a lot of conservative play and playing smart. And I think that's going to be a bit different this next year. I think more aggressive play is going to be needed. But, you know, my game has changed and I'm not the same player anymore. So I'm ready to take on that challenge. I, I've got to be honest. I feel personally attacked by the whole some people say it's their favorite course. I insist that this is my favorite tournament every year, and I'm sticking to it. But yeah, no, I didn't it's win a Worlds great there. Tournament. <laughs> um, it is great. How do you feel like your game has changed? I mean, you mentioned that you feel like it's going to take a different style than what it took to win in 2018. When you compare your game now and where you kind of expect your game to be come the start of the season, how do you see it as different to when you kind of stopped playing full-time? Good question. Um, I'd say it's a bit more diverse. I think that, um, especially with these new discs, there's just a lot more shot shapes out there, and it's kind of easier to get the discs to fly. I feel like with DD discs, I had to beat them in, and they were either really overstable or understable, and so it was very touchy. So I feel like with my new discs, it's a lot more consistent. But, you know, previously I was really good at throwing putters, and I'm still good at throwing putters, but I'm better now at throwing mid-ranges and getting a little bit more distance in the wood. I really felt like, Yes, my putters helped me hit the gap, but I wasn't getting that far. And so I've been working on my mids and fairways, especially here in Charlotte, like hitting gaps. I feel like I'm getting a little bit longer shots in the woods. Um, I know distance lines a little bit better. Like, um, you know, you would think like Heiser flip gets you the farthest, but really just airing out a nice like big Annie shot gets you further. So I've been working on that and really hitting golf lines in that way because majority of the tour courses are like super wide open. So really working on the distance lines. And then my forehand's coming along nice, especially for approach shots. I think that's it's been a really good utility part of my game that, that I've been relying on heavily as I've been practicing more the last few few weeks and or few months, and it's been feeling good. So I think those are kind of some new things in, in my arsenal that um, are growing in confidence, and I'm excited to put them to the test. Are, we, are you expecting to start the season at LVC? 
Yes. So that one I'm planning on flying in by myself. Grady doesn't want to play the tournament. And um, I just, I want to go back out there. You know, I won there in a playoff against Kat, one of my two biggest wins ever. And I just, I feel like with a course like that, that's so open. I mean, you can make mistakes and still play well. So I feel like that's a really good course to kind of get used to, get back into the swing of things and put my disc to the test in the wind. We always know it's windy there. So I think it's a good, good first event. Awesome. Well, uh, has uh, Savannah thrown mini discs yet? <laughs> yes, she is. She <laughs> loves it. She loves putting the discs in the basket. And anytime we pull into a park that has a basket, she'll point and get all excited. So she's already a disc golf baby. And we're not forcing it. We're, we're not going to force it on her. But Future world already. champion. Future world champion. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Paige. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you and Grady out there next year. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Paige you with us here on The Upshot. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Upshot. Wow, so great to talk with Paige. I'm so excited to hear that she and Grady are going to be basically touring again. And Josh, there's a lot to unpack from that interview. I guess first and foremost, where do you think she's going? Man, I just wanted to ask questions as she was talking. Like when she's like, Yeah, I feel like these discs fly farther. I wanted to be like, Do you subscribe to the belief that overmolds make discs go further? <laughs> and then she's like, I've been really practicing forehand upshots. I'm like, Do you think the zone is the best approach shot in disc golf? Like just, just wanted to like pepper those questions in. Because I've when players get new manufacturers, I, I think she talked a lot about her new discs and her new bag and excitement around that. And so I I felt like we were just getting a taste i i really want to know i i i think she is going to go to i'm gonna say i'm gonna say lone star wow i wow. think she, i think texas i think she's gonna go mentor lone I don't star see it i i don't see it i i feel like it doesn't make sense from a geographical standpoint the 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 biggest rumor and it makes sense is Innova. That's the rumor I've She heard lives too. in Charlotte. Yeah. They have a big presence there. She, you know, it, it would it would it would make logical sense for her to go to a big company that has a very established contract structure where they're like, boom, we're gonna give you this money. And like, you know, you're maybe not gonna get a million dollars a year from Innova, mm -hmm. but you're gonna get a good baseline package. And the only thing that shakes me off that, Josh, is that There's she said unique flight, which I was like, well, that's a weird way to describe yeah. Innova Discs, I think. But that is at least the rumor that's going around. What do you think? Two other reasons I don't think it's Innova. Number one, she said that the discs are more consistent than dynamic discs plastic. And nobody in the history of disc golf has ever said Innova <laughs> is more consistent than dynamic discs. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. I don't think it's... I, and if you do, I think you're lying. Uh, so that's, that's the first reason I don't think it's Innova. The second reason is that she said when she went to the negotiation table, she expressed the desire for a one-year deal because they were want to make sure this fits for them and their family. And she said the manufacturer kind of understood and are willing to see how things go this year. Innova would have been like, no, one year's all you get. Like that's, that's, that's all we, what do. we do. It's our bread and butter. So both of those, in addition yeah, to the yeah, unique yeah, flights, yeah. the unique flights makes me think MVP or a small, or a smaller company that we haven't yeah. seen much before. I mean, I, I, I have to agree with you. I have to yeah. agree with you. It, it, the, the, this, 
the adjectives used didn't align with my what I think of of Innova. Me neither. So or that discraft. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. Unique flight, like to me, that describes discs that are not common, that are not commonly used on tour, even. Yes, no one calls destroyers unique flights. I. It's pretty interesting. I'm compelled. I'm compelled. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just fantastic. Think about this. This okay. we didn't really explore this in the interview, but I want to point point it out. She said she goes to college. She graduates. She decides, how am I going to make money to help our family succeed? And she decided, I'm going to make more money playing professional disc golf than I am getting a job. That has got to be... I mean, I know Paige is a good player, and she's going to finish highly, and that's that's worth quite a bit you know, of extra money per year. But that has just got to be one of the first times that's ever been said in the history of humanity. <laughs> I mean, I, for... There's a very select number of MPO players and then like Paige Pierce and Kristen Tatar and Kona Panis who who can really say that, you know, mm-hmm. for, for a player who's been off the tour for multiple years, who doesn't necessarily command a major sponsorship deal, given the current situation. It is just remarkable to me that that was the financially prudent decision, let alone it just being an option at all. And I just yeah. shows you how far pro scene has come yeah it, it's really it's it's that was such a cool answer the other thing that i i kind of wanted to i i poked out a little bit that i think is interesting on the flip side is so often you hear about how dynamic discs if you if you ask kind of like a, a just a facebook poll or reddit poll which manufacturer do you think treats their players the best the two that you hear the most about are discraft and dynamic discs and i think that's in part with ricky moving over from innova under kind of weird circumstances and some of the things he said about that chris dickerson leaving prodigy to go to discraft and then you know page and paul talking often about how good discraft has treated them that that's just public perception i'm not saying there's truth to that but i think this when when you watch page's instagram announcement it was you know everything was great very we respect each other and it was very amicable there were underlying tensions that meant that she didn't even give dynamic discs a chance to bid on a contract for her. And she's been with them for over a decade. So obviously, I mean, those things that she hinted at were bigger frustrations than she had let on prior to, I think this interview. I, I, I certainly agree with that. And yeah, I, I was expecting her to say, yeah, like I gave them a chance and I just decided I wanted to change. But no, she was like, no, I, I was just out, uh, which, you know what? I respect that. I think I do, too. It, it also it, no one is going to buy paid shoe discs if she goes back to DD and is like, I'm back touring again. Like a lot of people aren't going to care. But this this is going to get everybody to care. If paid shoe came back next year, it would have been like, oh, cool. Paid shoes playing again. And like. But but this this creates more buzz and mm-hmm. excitement, and then I think people are going to be more likely to buy discs, and she's going to make more money. So from that sense, it's just good business to switch sponsors. It is good business. Yeah, we're going to see more switching because it's good business. So anyway, uh, interesting stuff. We're going to now quickly do our players to watch in 2023. The rule is. They cannot have qualified for the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship. 
So they can't be a player who's already established or otherwise had a great 2022 season. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to pick our top three each. Why don't we start an FPO in honor of Paige Shu? And Josh, I'll let you take it away with your number three. Okay. Uh, my number three is Stacey Hass. I think it's going to be really interesting to see her on tour full-time, not having to worry about school. Uh, she's got the two-year extension with MVP. It's kind of that security, right? You get two years now to kind of really just focus on playing disc golf, improving, getting competitive on tour. She has a Silver Series win. And that's, I expected, I think I expected a little bit more from her this season. Um, and and then she, but then I keep forgetting that she has a Silver Series win, which is such a big deal and, and becoming a bigger deal, I think, as it, the Silver Series, Silver events are going to be more competitive this season. And I think they will continue to get more competitive than they've ever been. So Stacey Hass is, is my number three pick. Mine as well. Um, I, I, I think, the only thing I'll add to what you said is that she clearly just has tremendous ceiling. Mm-hmm. And we saw that on display when she won Tallahassee that, you know, when she's when she's on, she looks as good as any player. And I think for a young player like that to finally be done with school stuff and focus exclusively on disc golf, that is just massive. I mean, it makes a huge difference. And um you know, I think MVP, as we already discussed, smart to to re-sign her because she's got the potential to to be a really tremendous player. My number two is Katie Alsalu. I'm going okay. with an Estonian player who isn't really even the biggest name out of Estonia right now, other than Kristen Tatar, obviously, <laughs> obviously. But like Heidi he- Heidi Lina is probably a more uh, sort of known European player, mm-hmm. but. I think Alsalu has shown that, you know, she came over and played just a couple of U.S. events this year and finished top 15 in all of them, including a couple of top 10s at a least series events. Yeah. So, uh, and we've seen her rating climbing, uh, someone to watch. I think there's a lot of pro- promising players coming out of Europe right now. Alsalu, if she plays more in the U.S., I think will have an even higher profile. My number two pick is Macy Valadez. The The contract shows, I think, what we've been thinking about Macy for a while. And and how encouraging is it for Macy at the Lake Marshall Open this year as part of the wraparound tour, blowing Sarah Hokum and Natalie Ryan out of the water by nine strokes and Holly Finley by 22 strokes. Like That, that was your lead card for that tournament. Uh, nine under par with Sarah being even and Natalie being even. What an impressive performance. Ne- Macy is showing the kind of ceiling that I think you need to see from a player in order to consider them a threat on tour. And even if consistency isn't there next season, I think she has the tools to win an elite series event. And so that's why Macy gets my number two spot. Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, she was in the play-in, but did not qualify for the Pro Tour Championship. She was a borderline player to watch. Correct. But I, I'll <laughs> give it to you, and I think that she is extremely promising i mean i I, like i said earlier i I think she could be the top player on dd like it is possible in my mind that she surpasses valerie mondahano yeah who's your number one oh my number one we just talked to her it's Paige shu how can you not like a a former world champion who her top rating has hit around where the most competitive players on tour need to be in order to consider to be a top player the 950 mark and i i have no doubt in my mind that playing full-time she can get back to that number 
I am really impressed by the way she kind of describes her, her 2023 season. And I think it's going to be an exciting player to watch, even if it's slow out of the gate. I don't think you can count. She could be one of those players who gets into the wooded part of the season at the back third of the season around when Worlds is and really start to succeed and could perform well at Worlds, MVP, and uh, the Pro Tour Championship and closing it out if, if she makes it. And I, that is a completely legitimate season that I could see Paige Shu having. I mean, she's already a top 20 player right now, right? And then it's like, okay, what's your ceiling? I mean... She's got to throw further. We know that. Yep. But clearly, she's working on that. And she seems very motivated to, to get back out there and be successful. So uh, she's my number one as well. Come on. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious. <laughs> you know, like it, it feels like a little cheating to put her on this list. But I don't know that there's necessarily other young players that were not already not eligible because they made the Pro Tour Championship. Like Colin Hanley. Yeah. For example, as a, a hard FPO list, yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, uh, I, and and Paige Shu is still pretty young, as she told us. She's only twenty six years old. It's it, she's been around so long. It feels like she's. I mean, she is a tour veteran in some ways, but she's still younger than Holland Handley. Like, put that in your brain. It doesn't make sense, <laughs> but it's true. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to see what what she can do, and I hope that it works out for them as they try to do the whole travel with a child thing it, it's it's not an easy lifestyle but uh it seems like they're really motivated to do it so that's great yeah over we go to the mpo side let's rock and roll i'll go first number okay. three on my list evan scott the young south carolinian i think he has one year of high school left but he toured a lot this year he played a lot of tournaments and he has he, he's been on my radar for a couple of seasons he got in on Monday qualifying to USDGC a couple years ago and then had a phenomenal opening round and was like in the conversation after the first round up at the top of the leaderboard. Um, you know, he's still a teenager. So like you got to have temper your expectations on what, what you're going to get. But I think, you know, we saw him get a lot of tour experience this year. The rating is going in the right direction. And this is just somebody who I think could take that step forward. We've seen him boost his rating significantly every single season, which to me shows not only the maturity improving, but also the offseason work happening. Um, I think Evan Scott's somebody that you got to keep an eye on. My pick for my third spot is Gavin Babcock. He mm. showed us some really impressive finishes, a fifth place finish at Champions Cup being a prime example there, as well as 12th at Worlds. I mean, this guy... He could be our new world's whisperer, <laughs> plays well at the majors, shows up. He has some really poor finishes. He's 94th at LVC, 83rd at Waco, but then to go 16th open at Belton, 25th Texas State, and 5th at Champions Cup, it, he, he is showing the, the ceiling necessary, and I don't care if players like Gavin, it, it's going to become so hard to win. I think you're going to have more players like Gavin Babcock who are going to finish at 50th multiple times in the season who will also win an elite series event because they're going to put it all together on a course that suits their game well. And that's why I think Gavin Babcock has to be a guy you watch next season. The The ceiling is very high. And that is a, it's better to have that than to be a consistent 1025 player. Consistent 1025 player is never getting talked about. Who's your number two? 
All right. My second place is Cole Radolin. Cole is a young player who has shown some impressive moments this season. He's from Oregon, took eighth place at Portland Open. Kind of makes sense. Fourth place Beaver State fling right in front of the home crowd. I really feel like this is kind of the player, like you were talking about with Evan Scott, who has shown the kind of improvement as well as the age makes such a big deal when you consider what his trajectory could be. You look at his ratings history, he had an incredible jump. So from the beginning of the 2021 season, 1,006 rated. At the beginning of the 2022 season, 1025. Now, hasn't grown much over 2022, but I think that that's kind of the plateaus, right? The the ebbs and flows of how your rating goes up. But he's shown us that he has the capacity to make big jumps and have some strong performances. And just given his age, I really like Cole Rodolin for next season. Well, and and you know, you keep keep in mind like what defines success on in disc golf. Well, what's the stat category that you would point to if you're looking for somebody and you want to know how good they can be? Uh, well, it'd probably be Circle One regulation. That's 100 percent correct. And when you look at his stats on the Disc Golf Pro Tour this year, he was over 40 percent. That's rarefied air. I mean, we're we're talking. Yeah. That's where Macbeth and Eagle and Ricky and Chris Dickerson and Calvin Heimberg are at. He was 10th on the Pro Tour this year at Circle One regulation. The problem is he goes out of bounds a lot. And his putting was atrocious. Yeah, yes, it was. So, you know, you got to be better than 78% from Circle 1X. And that, that you know, that's 111th on the Pro Tour this year. You pick that up. You avoid the OB. You mature as a player. You get the mentality necessary. Love the pick. My number two, Christian Quoxa. Maybe somebody you don't even, somebody you don't even know yet, folks. This this guy can throw it a mile. I mean, we're talking about mega distance. He might be the longest thrower in Europe. And he is he's coming up quick right now, folks. I think that we're going to see Quoxa more in the U.S. next year. I think we're going to see him start to show off the ceiling and what he's capable of. Uh, and, you know, the rating is going to keep going up, up, up. Right now, he is sitting at 1021 rated. But that's up from about a thousand rated at the beginning of 2021, middle of 2021, even. So he he's 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 coming up fast, and he has the the raw skill, the raw ability to throw it really far. That is kind of like the prerequisite for success in MPO. Um, you know, I, I think he he went to USDGC. I think that was his only stateside tournament. Uh, he got 87th. Not great. But he was eighth at European Open, and he's yeah. been continuing to show he's won some prodigy pro tour events over in Europe. He's continuing to show that he has maybe the highest ceiling of any player coming off of the European continent. Yeah. Uh, my number one, Chandler Kramer. He was in the play in, but did not make the uh, the actual pro tour championship. But Chandler Kramer showed us a very high ceiling with his impressive performance at the European Open. He jumped from a 10,004 at beginning season to 1021 at the end of 2022. Amazing. A huge jump. And this season was his first season on tour. He only played the Open at Belton and Texas States last year in 2021. And so first season on tour, and he's already showing us impressive performances with a fifth place finish at European Open and then second place at Butler County, where 
you know, if it weren't for Joel Freeman heroics, he probably would have been in good contention to win. Both of those and you, his unique, almost 100% forehand style, I think is going to make him a really interesting player for his second year on tour. And the reason why I picked Chandler Kramer is my number one player to watch. Love it. Love it. I'm going to go with somebody who we started to talk about a little bit at the end of the season, and that is Evan Smith. Don't get him confused with Evan Scott. I know it's complicated. Uh, he didn't play the full tour at all, but started to play some more pro tour events towards the end of the year and uh, had some nice finishes. I mean, he was up on the lead card. We saw him on coverage a little bit. He's the guy who reps clash discs. So if you need a little memory jog uh, and you know, we're talking about an elite putter, 88-31. That's top 15 on tour this year. And uh, I think is just getting started at the elite level and is regularly finishing inside the top 20. He was third at Des Moines. Maybe you remember that. Uh, he was third at Lake Marshall Open in the wraparound tour. Not an elite player yet, um, but is right around that like top 50 in the world mark. And I think is showing a lot of the skills that you need in order to succeed. He's got to get the OB down. He was 99th on tour this year. But if he can do that, you know, having having a great putt is a really nice foundation to build upon. And I think we're going to see more of him next year. I love the pick. I think I think it's a really good one. All right. So there you go. Our 2023 players to watch. So great to talk with Paige Shu as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, looking forward to our holiday roundtables coming up. We're going to be recording our first one next week. It's going to be out uh, probably the week of Christmas. And uh, once we get it in the books, we'll tell you what it's all about. So for Josh Mansfield, I'm Charlie Eisenhood saying so long. And we'll talk to you next week right here on The Upshot. <laughs>